Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Alyssa Nichol. Hello, hello. Glad to be here, everyone. Shai Resnick. Uh, hello. So this is the part where we say our picks. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> okay. Hold on to them for another minute or 30. Okay, okay. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that is Kevin Kruiser. Yes, actually you pronounce it Kreitzer, but that's Kreitzer. to say. Yes. See, I used to ask guests how to say their names, but then I would screw it up anyway. So now I just go. <laughs> no, cru- <laughs> Cruiser is okay. You're giving up all hope is what you're saying. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. It's actually kind of funny because when I get uh, guests who are Italian on, you know, I nail their names because I lived in Italy for two years. And so I can just read the name. And they're like, man, you said that really well. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, it's the first time in a month that I've said it really well. A name really well. That's right. Or when we, yeah, get other English names on. But yeah. So Kevin, tell us what we're talking about today. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about source maps. Do we have those? In Angular? Yeah, we have those. So they come from Webpack, which, yeah, Webpack creates them under the hood. Wait, uh, before that, Kevin, tell us a, b- a bit about yourself. Okay, That's right. Yeah. You're like world famous, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> not really, not really. He, so, he owns the Matterhorn in, in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah, I'm, I'm a freelance software engineer um, from Switzerland. And I work for a company called Schaltstelle, which is kind of a special company because we are a bunch of freelancers and the company fully belongs to us. So there are no managers and no management at all. So our slogan is like um, together independent. So we do stuff together. We share, for example, administrative administrative tasks, or we also try to work together on different project ideas or if we see some cool projects, we try to invest there. And we also help each other to find uh, some client projects because in the end, we are still freelancers. So, nice. So what's the, lo- what's the slogan? Slogan was, uh, or is, uh, together independent. It sounds like House Targaryen or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Nice. Yeah. That's a cool yes. concept. Yeah, that's a cool concept. And currently I'm working for uh, for an insurance. So my client project is an insurance in Switzerland, which is called Mobiliar. And there I'm in a front-end architecture team where I do a lot of Angular stuff. We also have huge Angular JS application and we try to upgrade it with ng-upgrade. And then we also have some back-end, back-end things that we do, like we started to do stuff with Nest JS. 
And in besides my client work and work at my company, I am also writing some blogs for Angular in Depth or Hacker Noon, contribute to some open source projects, but my main free time is cons consumed by a startup where I'm a co-founder, which is called Tracer. And it's about uh, traceability and distributed systems. So maybe some or maybe most have heard about the term open tracing, which is kind of hype right now. We find open tracing is quite cool, but it's still missing some things. So open tracing is, is a way to gain technical information between your microservice calls. And we think that's not enough. So we extend it or we, we focus on a different level, like we want to deliver more business value. So for us, it's important that we also have um, insight to the payloads that get sent from microservice to microservice. For us, it's also important that in open tracing, you look at one conversation that goes, or one trace is basically one call through the chain. We have a look at all the calls. So the whole conversation for us is important. And with that, we can, we can better analyze bugs. So for example, if you have a system where you, where you request an offer and you, then you get that offer for $25, but when you pay, you have to pay $50. So those are the bugs that are quite hard to track. And with our system, this is, becomes much easier. So that's where I'm currently working on. Wow, sounds like a lot. Yes, quite busy at the moment. <laughs> you have kids? No, no. Oh, no. okay. Uh, it explains. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. I used to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear what Shai is uh, saying. So, so, source, yeah, so maps. source maps. Yes, so source maps. So, so one thing, or I talked about the startup that we had, and there we had the problem that we had our productive app and we had a bug in it. And so it was quite hard to, to debug that. When we look at modern JS builds, so we write, for example, when we write Angular, we write our code in TypeScript, because this gives us a lot of advantages, like this the optional typing system. With this typing system, there comes better refactoring, better tooling, and so on. And we write that, which is kind of cool to write in TypeScript, but in the end, it doesn't run in the browser. So when we go to the browser, there's still JavaScript running. And therefore, we compile down to, to JavaScript. So during edit time or compile time, we also focus on structure our code well and write with modules and with classes. But in the end, what we end up with in a browser is, so when we do an Angular build, our code gets optimized in different ways. So it gets minified, it gets uglified, it gets bundled. And in the end, what's, run, what's running in the browser is really the, the bundle name. So if you do a prop build, you will see the main main.hash uh, JS, and that's basically then what's running. And if you have a look at this code, it's quite hard to debug that because everything's minified and it's not the code that we wrote. So therefore we need something to trans or to map back that code to our original sources. And that's exactly where source maps came in or come in. And we then thought like, how can we enable that in production or how does it behave when we go to production? Because normally we don't have source maps there. Well, and we aren't, at least I've never actually like written a source map myself. Aren't those generated as well? Or where do these source maps come from? 
Yeah, those source maps, as I mentioned at the beginning, so the source maps uh, are generated during our build process. And basically, yeah, they are generated. And if you have a look at the source map field or at the source map itself, you can see that it contains a bunch of, of information. Like there are a lot of information like version, which source map version it is, which file it belongs to, and also from which sources it got created. But then there's this mappings entry and all of that got, gets created for us when we do our build and under the hood it's created with Webpack. Can you, can you jump in maybe more deeply and explain how source maps are like working or how yes. does the magic work? Yes, the magic. So, as I said, there are a lot of fields, like mostly there are meta informations, but uh, the magic comes from. So, if you open up a source map, there's a mappings entry, and that's where the, basically the whole magic happens. And in this mappings entry, uh, there are different values, like mostly they are encoded like AAAB, for example, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but those are uh, VLQ values. So, it's variable length quantity. And this is kind of a space-saving algorithm. And what it basically does, or if you would encode this, decode this algorithm, you would get an array with four entries. And yeah, it depends, one, four, or five entries, but normally four. And basically what it says, like the first number would say in which column in the output file that this code occurs. And then it maps or the second property says the index in the sources array. In the source maps, you have a sources array. You have listed all your sources, like if you, for example, have app.js and bar.js, and those two get bundled into your main.js, so those two will be listed in the sources property. And then there's the third property, which says in which line in the input source file it occurs. And then there's the last property that says in which column in the input source file it occurs. That's basically like, like a map that maps the, the compiled file to the sources back. I don't know if this is clear. It's quite hard to, to, to tell without showing. But, <laughs> without visuals. <laughs> but let, let's try to imagine uh, like the overall idea. So we have yeah. types, like a TypeScript file and mm -hmm. we have the output JavaScript file. And in order for the debugger in Chrome to stop on the right line in the TypeScript file, when we transpile TypeScript to JavaScript, uh, we get a different line number, right? So because one line of TypeScript can be four or five lines of JavaScript uh, sometimes. So we end up like instead of line one, it actually in JavaScript, it's line five. So the source maps, probably what you said is it encodes which file it is, which line number the original right file is, and, and it matches them both somehow, right? Uh, like the original one and the output line. Yes, like yes, exactly, exactly. A good way for me, or what helped me to understand this is like, you all know this guy from Star Wars, this little guy that, that always has these wise words, Yoda. Yoda? Yoda's called, yes. <laughs> <laughs> basically, when he talks, the words always come out in, in a weird order. So 
the order is different. And I thought like for explaining, this is quite cool if you imagine that you have would have a Yoda transpiler. So the Yoda transpiler basically is if you say feel the force and pass it through the Yoda transpiler, then the outcome would be the force feel. Like, yeah, he just transpiled it to some different order. And now if you would create a source map for that, like feel the force to the force feel, you would basically say that, for example, if you want to map the the, then you could basically say that from the input file, which is field of force, that column five maps to column zero in the output file, which is the force field. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that was that was my my next question. Like, what about multi lines? Like, so you're saying that it encodes the column. The actual column so that way you could say like this part of the, the line will be is actually line number four and starts here and the other part of the line is actually in line number five and so on right yes exactly and in the output file you only have the column because if you look at the source map in a browser it's only one line like the source maps are only one line in the browser. So he only needs the column information there. Hmm. Nice. But then for, for the output file, he needs the index. So the index is basically inside the source map file. He has a list of sources. And instead of writing the whole name, he looks up for the index and then also the line and the column for the, for the source file. Hmm. So I wanted to go back to something you said in the beginning where you were talking about um, having them available in was it production um, yes so initially is this correct that like they aren't there in production by default yeah now in angular if you do an ng build then by default they are there but as soon as you do a prod build they are disabled by default okay so would you i'm um, on your your blog post that you have on angular in depth and it's talking about um, retrieving the source maps. And one of the ways you talked about was specifying the source map URL at the end of your file. And so it literally just looks like source mapping URL equals path to source map. So is that what you suggest doing at that po- at this point if you want to have it in production? Or where do you go from here? Let's, let's, let's maybe uh, an uh, additional question to, to your, uh, yours, Lisa, is why... Won't we, like wouldn't we want to have source maps in production? Well, right? for like debugging, right? Because at least I've personally ran across but, bugs I couldn't reproduce but, outside uh, of production. Yeah, 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 of course. But why is the default behavior uh, on ng build uh, dash prod okay is to remove them? Like, what what's the risk there? That's my follow up question. Yeah, like you would expose your whole source code in a really well-structured way so that basically anybody can read your sources. So this is not a problem if you're working in an open source field. So then for sure do it. But most of us don't work there. And like if you move in or work in a company that has a lot of business logic in the client, you maybe don't want to expose it. So yeah, anyway, you are exposing it because the JavaScript sources are there, but it's kind of a burden to, to those who want to read it. So, so maybe I'm misunderstanding something then because I thought that the source maps basically just mapped back to the original TypeScript or something. And when I deploy to production and it transpiles, yeah, it puts up, you know, it, it puts up the errors in the transpiled JavaScript, 
but that's not the same thing as you know somebody would have to have my source code in order to use mm. those source maps right so that's that, that's sorry to butter in but uh, but yeah but in the source maps that are generated the source your source code gets inlined into a source content property so i actually bundle the sources Ooh, the more you know, these are juicy tidbits. <laughs> yeah, so if you look at source maps, there's a source content property, which is according to the spec, spec is optional, but your whole source code is basically inside there. Gotcha. Okay. So if you're trying to protect your source code, then you may not want to publish source maps. Yes. To, to the usage point, some of the tooling out there that is keeping track of errors and problems and bugs in your production they can use the source map to give you better information because you're working in TypeScript instead of in JavaScript. So that, that's the trade-off is essentially obscuring your source code versus, you know, for security or whatever, or to protect your intellectual property versus getting better error information when you have something crop up and get, that gets reported. Is that, is that more or less what we're talking about? Did I summarize that okay? Yeah, more or less so. I think these error tools can also have source maps like you generate them, but you don't expose them to the public. You upload them to this error tool like Sentry, Ooh, for yeah. example, and then you don't have them publicly available. It's just I like the way you think. You said that the, the, there is in the spec and there is an option to make it optional, uh, right? Like the, the content itself, not to be generated. So is there an option to not generate the actual content in the source maps and have it like, I don't know, point in, the, in Chrome, for example, to the w- workspace or the folder on my hard drive or something like that? So in not generating the, the source contents inside the source maps, I don't think there's an option. Or currently, I haven't seen one in Angular. But yeah, maybe... Or what you can do if you really want to have source maps in production without exposing your source code, there are ways to upload it at a later point from your local machine or just to deploy them and hide them so that the browser basically, you, your web server delivers them, but not they are not shown directly. So what we have done in our startup, we looked up... Uh, or we were also thinking oh, no, about... No, 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 don't expose your secrets. Everybody will know. I've <laughs> 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 already done that with the blog post. So oh, okay. right. Yeah. So we were also thinking about having um, source maps in production because, I mean, we had, a, we had a bug in our UI and technically you can also always try to reproduce that locally. But mm-hmm. because... If you can reproduce a bug that you have in production locally, this has some advantages like you can always easily put in some, for example, if you have some Rx chains, you can easily put in some tab operator, some console statement, and or for example, also you could easily use ng-probe, for example, which is sometimes kind of helpful if you do it locally. And if you can reproduce that bug locally, because you cannot do that with an AOT build. So there are some advantages if you can reproduce it locally, but often the bugs, bugs are produced by some network response or based on some network response. And then you can always like take this network response and on the place where you do your HTTP call, you could still just return this response and so you can reproduce it locally. That's one approach. 
But sometimes this is quite hard because there might be multiple network requests and it's quite hard to reproduce this whole state locally. And then and that was exactly what happened to us. So, and we didn't want to expose our whole source code. And so we thought like, how can we have source maps in production without revealing them? And then we have one scene on, I think it was on, on Twitter, I think. I've seen a guy that just uh, in the Chrome DevTools, if you open up the DevTools, you can basically select your main bundle and then inside your content, you can right click and then you can say add source maps, which is a cool feature from Chrome. And then we thought of ways like generating them locally. And we basically what we did, we did the builds or we did ng build minus minus prod. And then you can pass minus minus source map flag so they get generated because by default they are disabled. And then they get generated and we did a post build script and just deleted them again. And then when we deployed our application, they weren't there. And later, at a later point, we just regenerated them and uploaded them. That was one approach. Another approach that we did, like we generated them locally. So again, with ng-build minus minus prod minus minus source map. And what we then did, we just created another directory inside our uh, dist and moved the source map into this directory. And then during production, so no source maps would be revealed, but you could anyway say like add source maps from that directory because they are deployed but not visible. So when you add source maps from that directory, you're actually adding the source maps from the production web server? Yes, yes, exactly. And this, this had some problems like, yeah, because technically you would get in your uh, web server, you would get some 404 errors because the source maps, they are retrieved by a hash that is uh, by a hash by a comment that is at the end of your main JS file. So that's the way how source maps are retrieved and he couldn't find them. So you would get like 404s. Since Angular 7, so this isn't officially documented now, but uh, I looked at the pull request that was merged and since Angular 7 on the ng-build in your, in your architecture, so in your Angular JSON, you have this architecture property. And there you can also have more finer control over source maps. Like you have there a source maps property. And since, since yeah, it was Angular 7 beta release, the, since this version, you can have um, control of, how source map should be generated. So there's newly, there's a hidden property, which you can set to true. And it, this will create hidden source maps for you. What does it mean, hidden, like in practical terms? Uh, hidden source maps basically means that source maps are created, but it doesn't generate the hash, uh, the hash, the, the comment at the end of the file. Mm, so it won't like load them by like automatically by default. Yes, exactly. But they are generated. And that's the case that Charles was talking about. Like you could then take the source maps that are generated and upload them to, to an error reporting tool like Sentry, for example. And then you wouldn't, it looks like you have not generated them, but they would still be uploaded. If you don't have these tools like Sentry, you could still create like a folder on your in your inside your web server and just keep them there and then load just add them whenever you need them 
Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. So I saw another uh, solution, a uh, third one, and I wonder what, what you think about that, to hack the host file on your computer to point to, you know, like the local host that points to like the same, uh, I don't know, um, domain, and to just have it serve the local directory. So Chrome will try to load the source map uh, from a different uh you know, a different URL, but it will be basically on your computer, on your local mm -hmm. host. And that way it won't be in production, hidden or so, just be on your computer and uh, like something like that. Yes. Yes, you could do that. So for me, it's still the question, how do you tell Chrome then where to fetch it? So there are two ways, like one way is what I described that you can just right click inside your bundle and then say, at source maps and you could paste basically the URL of your local server. This would, would be one way which would work. And the other question is like, or maybe the approach you've seen, I'm not sure if you have seen it with an Angular app because I haven't found a way in Angular how to manipulate the comment that gets added at the end of the main file of the main JS. So when source maps are retrieved, they are retrieved by this comment at the end of the file of your bundle. And somehow you would adjust that to point to your local server. It sounds like somebody needs to build a Chrome plugin that allows <laughs> you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but basically, you know, you would just open the prompt and then type in where that source map is and then it would reload the page and it would modify that file before it gets loaded or something yeah, like that. Give you better. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. For but us, then it, it would do it automatically from then on because it would be saved in some mm -hmm. local database on your machine. For us, really, the, the simplest way was like to create the source maps, hidden source maps. So locally, you create them. Then we have a pre built script that just moves them to another directory. So, and we deploy this directory. And then, whenever we need source maps, we go to the main bundle, right click, and say add source maps and put in the, the address of those, of the source mm -hmm. maps. So and then they get it. Oh, okay. So that way you, you could also do it with the local host or something like that, like uh, just right click and, and tell it. But yeah, sounds like, uh, Chuck, you have a startup there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have too many projects, but uh, if anyone wants to, I, I'm happy to promote it. <laughs> Somebody wants to go build it. Evan, um, I remember when I first like started like working with source maps, I ran into a lot of like uh, bugs, like mismatching between like the source maps and the actual code, lots of bugs in Webpack and all that stuff. And it got me frustrated because I didn't know what the hell is going on and how to, you know, fix that. And, and I always rely on the Angular CLI team to, <laughs> to just like tackle that and, and fix that. Mm -hmm. But do you have any tips for that, like mismatching and stuff like that? 
Yeah, I've also encountered when I was working with these different approaches, like uploading them later, like some mismatch or the debugger just didn't stop where I wanted it to stop. And this was basically, or I thought it, it was an issue, like when you created the source maps, for example, you did, you would just build your app with a prod build, not generate the source maps, and then afterwards generate them. So Webpack will always create a hash and if the file content is different, so if you would generate source maps afterwards and the file content would be different because of the of the comment that gets added at the end, the hash would differ. And also inside the source map, there's a property written with this hash. And if this hash doesn't match, I encountered some problems, but I'm not sure because in the spec it's, it's optional. But, but when you just generate them normally, I didn't really encounter huge problems like you, like you described. Okay, cool. So well, that's one thing that's nice about this too, is I found, for example, and I'll just give another example, like doing uh, GraphQL, I was still using Rails on the back end. And that turned out to be extremely painful. But as we move along, a lot of this stuff gets easier, right? They fix a lot of these problems. So yes. it sounds like it's it's a better situation than maybe when you were trying it, Shy. Yep, I'm an old dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you try it when it's new, I mean, there are just going to be issues. So, <laughs> Of course. Uh, and now I wait. I wait and wait and sit in the dark, lurking. <laughs> I, I have another question. How did you, Kevin, how did you learn all this stuff, like about source maps? Yeah, I just, yeah, it all started with a bug that we had in production. And I really thought like, why can't I have source maps there? Or how can I add them at a later point? So that's how it all started. And I started to write a blog post and just, yeah, I started to dive deeper into it. And yeah, that's where it came from. But but it's not really well documented. And also, if you look at the source map specs, so currently it's version three, the source map specs are just a, a Google Docs file that contains like three or four pages. So it's really hard to find the correct information. And yeah, most of it is in a Telegram conversation between <laughs> the maintainer. I love it. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like TypeScript in some sense because parts of the, um, of the features, the newer features in TypeScript, even like from a year ago, are still like only documented in the release notes, which drives me crazy. So, so yeah, it's like a lot of, uh, but what can you do? You know, it's open source. Yeah. yeah. And also now the, I think it already gets better with this newest features in Angular 7.2, where you can create hidden source maps. And you can also have like control if you want source maps only for scripts or only for styles. Yeah. But this is, this is also not documented yet, but it gets better. Alyssa, you've been pretty quiet. Do you have any other thoughts or? Yes, Alyssa. <laughs> Why don't you talk? <laughs> Sorry, there was an emergency at work and I was like, ugh, juggling. But no, I, I'm really glad that you came on, Kevin, today. And I don't have any other questions right now, but I'll let you know before the end of the show if I think of any. Her emergency would be easier with source maps. <laughs> yeah you should have uh, not disabled them uh, i felt so stupid at the beginning of the show when shy asked like you know why wouldn't why wouldn't they be included because when kevin was like oh yeah like you know company secrets and stuff i was like oh my god duh like <laughs> i literally was just like i don't know maybe download but it's not affected unless you have the tools open so 
that is hilarious that I didn't even but, think but about I, it. I I did the same <laughs> the same mistakes first time I, I used them I just upload them thinking you know I did I didn't realize that all the content is shipped as well mm-hmm. I thought it's just pointing and then I need to like set up some like property on Chrome to point it to my folder or something like that and then Orisha cad <laughs> caught it <laughs> like it, it just like posted this like send me like in private um screenshots of my source code and i was like how what the what the <laughs> hell how did you know how did you do that and he just <laughs> said like yeah all your source codes are basically <laughs> he basically called you a scrubby nub you have <laughs> exactly <laughs> you noob yeah i did not put a keylogger on your machine i promise <laughs> <laughs> so so i have a question kevin Um, I was talking to uh, Pete Bacon Darwin on Monday and I I did a, my angular story with him. So, you know, folks can subscribe to that podcast and and pick that up. But Mm -hmm. uh, I asked him what he was working on and he said that he was working on source maps and angular Ivy for the next version of angular. And in particular, one of the things that Ivy is going to make easier is having source maps for your templates. Okay. And, I, I was kind of curious about that where it's, okay, um, I have this template, which to me is HTML that's wrapped up in JavaScript and then put through a, a sausage grinder. So I'm I'm really interested, you know, how, how possible and how useful is that? I mean, it sounds like they're going to do it. And it sounds like if you have a problem in your template, it's going to tell you where it is. So Wait, I'm looking at the source codes of Angular and I can't find sausage grinder service or something like that. I know, right? Yeah, it's not, it's not there. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about, Jack? <laughs> but, but so for example, you know, templates, you know, so you have your CSS templates and your HTML templates, mm. you know, for your components. And apparently they're going to be able to target within those templates where you have problems. So instead of saying, there was a problem in the HTML. It's going to tell you where in the HTML the problem is. Yeah, the demo that Kara showed in yeah. ng-conf, right? She showed like breakpoints in templates, uh, which was awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand, Chuck, why you're okay. saying this is a problem. No, I'm excited for it. I just, oh, I, no. why it seems like magic to me. As, why do you say it is a problem, but Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what you're saying is like you could put breakpoints in templates. Yes. Ah, it would be nice because now if you subscribe with async pipe and you want to see what gets through, you can you always do stuff like either you put a tab in your operator or you just put a JSON pipe at the end. And if you could like some template expression put breakpoints there, that would also be quite helpful, I think. Yep. Anyway, I, I was mostly bringing it up because it sounds like magic and it sounds really <laughs> handy. So yeah. But now, thanks to Kevin, we know that it's uh, only a map between columns and rows to other columns and rows. Yeah, and the, the whole mapping entries is done in, in some really space-saving way. So this VLQ, where it really shines, is like reducing... So basically, it's just an array of, of map entries, but it really encodes it and reduces the size of the maps. Because before they had VLQ, the maps were like... I think 10 times as, as big. So it's really like you say, it's just mapping entries that are just reduced down. Yeah, I had one like three gigabytes 
of uh, no, yeah, I'm kidding. Source <laughs> of a source. <laughs> gigawatts gigawatts yeah a side 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 question you mentioned nest nest js how is is for me i have not done a huge feature with it but i I really liked it for me it's kind of mix between angular and spring so So it's like uh, angular for the back end Right. Yeah, it's super cool. You have modules, you have controllers, you have annotations. So if you want to get started and just try the REST endpoint, you have a super clean structure and a really Do you use it in production? Uh, yeah, we use it currently. We have, or our spas are delivered by a node server and this node server is written in Nest. And what it does is like, it just does some basic stuff like logging and uh, deliver configurations. Hmm. So nice. that's so, in production, but not really, really business logic, more like infrastructure stuff. Do you find it st- stable? Last question. Do you find it stable enough? Yes. Okay. Yeah, for, yeah, but we haven't written like huge, as I said, not really business logic in there. Just mm. more. Okay, interesting. I, I want to try it out myself now. Yeah, I because just put in a request for Michelle to get Nest.js on JavaScript Jabber. Mm-hmm. that's a good good episode yeah you should absolutely try it out because with express i always felt like there are so many ways to do it and how to structure it and everybody has like different opinions but with nest it's quite clear how to do stuff and it's, for me it's, it's, this is a huge advantage and also the whole yeah structure nice thanks all right well uh anything else we should pounce on here before we go to picks Oh, now it's picks. It's not. It wasn't like one minute. I, I told you. I told you to hold on to it for a minute or thirty minutes. I, I wasn't sitting. I, I'm standing the whole time. <laughs> Excuse me. Hey, Kevin. Uh, how, how do people find you online? You mentioned you're on Medium, uh, Angular in Depth. Yes. On Twitter, GitHub. Yes, exactly. I'm on Medium. There you can find me under Kevin Kreutzer. Then on Twitter, it's Kevin Kreutzer 90. And also on GitHub, my GitHub account doesn't look too good at the moment because I'm doing a lot of work for my startup. So, and we have GitLab there. So, but yeah, you can also find me there on GitHub. Awesome. Yeah, if you can put those links in the chat, then we'll get them into the show notes. Yes, for sure. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume, you spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects, and that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them, and if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com angular. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. All right, well, let's do some picks. Shy, you sound anxious to get your picks out i i, I actually i don't have any picks <laughs> no no <laughs> i <laughs> I, wanted, I have just like two so one 
Oh, I have three. Okay. So one is Nest.js. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I looked at it from the start, like since it's be- beginning. And I, like I told you before, uh, like uh, learning from past mistakes, I'm not an early adopter anymore of things. So I'm waiting, 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 but it looks super nice and super inspired by Angular, which is uh, also great. Took the, a lot of good ideas. Another thing is, something that I uh, re, um, uh, I don't know, re-learned today or remembered today to use is the capturing stage in uh, user events or mouse events. So you know how in JavaScript you click on some element and it bubbles up and that's the bubbling stage, I don't know. So you can also catch that event going down before it gets to like the end, uh, the most, the deepest element, which is called like, you know, you can capture that event. So basically an add event listener is the third property and you set it to true and now you could do stuff like preventing, like if you have a directive that, that guards an element from like to be clickable, like uh, if you're in a, have a cert, if you have a certain permission or something like that, you can actually guard its clicks um, by using the uh, capture, like the use capture property. So that's like a nice uh, tip that I uh, I knew back when, but today I needed it and I really learned it or Google it and. It's pretty nice for permissions and roles and all that stuff. So check it out. And the third one is a great book that I finished listening to called Why We Sleep. So it's Why We Sleep on Audible and it's lots of information. Uh, so I, I, I moved from uh, sleeping on average five hours each day just to maximize life uh, to sleeping eight hours or aspiring to sleep eight hours now with the new baby and, and all, and it it improved uh, the quality my quality of life like vastly, because now I'm more focused and more concentrated and more creative, and it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty good book that I saw recommended by um, DHH from Ruben Rails. Uh, so that got me like to bite and super recommended. So, um, check it out. Why we sleep. And those are my picks. Nice. Alyssa, what are your picks? Uh, just one today. We did a show on angular air, uh, with Sander Elios on dry forms and it was a really good show. So I wanted to link the YouTube video to that if anybody wanted to catch it. And then he's actually going to be kind of, I guess, tail ending that and finishing it and passing out the code um, at ng-conf this year. So, uh, and I think he's using a little bit of Ivy as well in that. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. One of the picks that I have is, it's funny, this is my 13th episode this week so far. (laughs) (laughs) recorded, And I'm trying not to repeat picks. So, uh, so you had to come up with that many pigs, and I struggle with one. What did you eat <laughs> for breakfast? What did you eat for breakfast? <laughs> uh, no, no, that's, that's, you don't have to say it. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm going to shout out about a couple of things. One thing I did pick on in other shows that I'm going to pick here is HubSpot. 
Uh, that's what I've been using as my CRM to reach out to people. I'm really digging it. Get, I'm working on getting Michelle moved over to it from Pipedrive so that she can use it to reach out to people to get them on the show. But uh, I've been using it to do uh, sponsorship outreach and it's awesome. But one thing that's really nice about it is that it has a Gmail plugin. And so uh, if I have somebody in my email, I can just drop them into a sequence or uh, send them an email from a template or send them a document I have or invite them to a meeting or something straight from uh, my Google Apps or devchat.tv. And that has been super handy. So I'm going to pick that. And then I had something else, but I can't think of what it is. Oh, yeah, I just bought an Eero Wi-Fi system is what they call it. It's E-E-R-O. So I had a wireless router up here in my office that was supposed to cover the whole house. And we just started having weird glitch issues with our Wi-Fi at the house. It was causing me issues to the point where I actually got a separate Xfinity account for, for the business. So I'm talking to you over Comcast, but, uh, you know, the kids watching their TV shows or, you know, streaming a movie with my wife or something, it, you know, it, it would get pixelated. And anyway, we were having some issues with it. So I set that up and I got the package that has one main unit and then two like extender units in it. And it just, it's all one system. So all you really do is set up the app. You use the app to set up the one main unit. And then essentially you have to use the app to set up the extenders too, but you just sit there and basically just hit okay for each stage. You know, it's like, okay, it, it's running now. And uh, things to be run, seem to be running a bit faster. So pretty happy with that. Uh, we'll see in, you know, in the longer term how that runs, but it, I feel like I have to replace my router every couple of years. And I don't know if they like wear out or I remember when I worked IT at the university, it was because the errors. So if it started getting errors, it would log the errors and the log file would fill up and then it would slow down because it was essentially trying to clean up the log file and post to the log file at the same time, but restarting the router didn't fix it anymore. So I think there was something else going on there. So anyway, Kevin, do you have some picks for us? Yes, I have three, three picks. So the first one, of course, is like my startup. Uh, if you're interested in business tracing and what it is, so go to tracer.com, check it out, or just, just write me. We will be happy about that. Then my second pick is if you're in Switzerland on the beginning of May, so 2nd and 3rd May, there's an awesome conference called UphillConf, which is in Bern. And uh, there are some awesome speakers there. Rob Wormel will be there, Jay Phelps, Dominic Elm. So if you're in Switzerland, uh, make sure to, to attend this conf. And then also um, when you're writing your blog post on Medium, there's an awesome plugin written by Thomas Tryon, um, which is called Medium Enhanced Stats. And what it does, it gives you like deeper insight into your blog posts or more detailed stats, like, for example, how many views belong to which blog post. And this is a quite awesome Chrome extension that you can install. Nice. Well, thank you for coming and talking to us. It's been a lot of fun and I, I really kind of dig the possibilities with SourceMap. So thanks for helping us figure out how that all works. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, well, we'll wrap this one up, folks, and we will be back in a week. Thanks, Gavin. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Gavin. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.